Kia ora and welcome to another episode of Power Up, a podcast powered by Venture Taranaki and produced by Raw Collective. Here we celebrate the region's entrepreneurs with their trailblazing spirit and their can-do attitude. Taranaki innovators are leaving their mark on the world, but living the famous Taranaki lifestyle. I'm your host, David Downs. Taranaki is a region where the unique natural and business environments collide to create a place where people can flourish and achieve their full potential. No mai, haere mai, we welcome you to hear our enterprising future like no other. Today's guest is influencer and makeup artist Annalee Kemsley. Annalee is a hugely popular New Plymouth-based makeup artist and social media influencer. She's been a makeup artist for seven years and is one of the most in-demand makeup artists for weddings, events and occasions around the country. She has more than 180,000 followers across her YouTube channel, Instagram accounts and Facebook, and her tutorials and tips have been viewed millions of times. Annalee talks about her unique journey, falling into her makeup career, including her circumstantial first makeup job, and how she made the decision to go out on her own, and what life is actually like for a social media influencer in the region. She's insightful and intelligent and shows how providing a good service with good communication is a winning formula in any industry. This is a glimpse into the reality behind social media, the hard work, the creativity, the real life factors that go into building and maintaining an online following, while also staying grounded and keeping an awareness of the kind of environment that social media has become. And on top of that, Anne Lee is an engaging and genuine personality who believes in good causes and giving back to the community. Well, good morning. Good morning. morning. Tell, tell me, where have you come from today? Beautiful Bell Block. Well, Annalie, it's lovely to have you with us. And um, we're just going to talk about you. And you, and you were just saying earlier you don't consider yourself an entrepreneur. But when people hear your story, they will agree that you are an entrepreneur. Mm. And it's and it's amazing. So tell me a little bit about you, first of all. Did you grow up here? Did you, were you born in New Plymouth? Yeah, so I grew up on a dairy farm in South Taranaki. Oh. Yeah, so uh, mum and dad had a dairy farm down there. And I, you know, was there till about age 12. Right. And then we moved to Awakura. I was there just at primary for about six months, and then I went to St. Mary's in Stratford, boarding oh. school. So Gosh, you've you know, like ticked all the boxes of Taranaki. You've been everywhere. <laughs> I feel like I literally have lived if in If you worked town. on an oil rig, then you would have completed the set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, no, I was actually thinking that just the other day. I feel like... I can go to every town and pretty much tell you where everything is and drive around. And so I went to a boarding school in Stratford. I was there for three years and then we moved to Australia for six years. Wow. And I finished my secondary schooling there. Yeah. It was a vast contrast going between um, an all-girls boarding school to a huge co-ed school. Yeah. Did you enjoy the boarding school thing? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I think people think it could have been quite rough or maybe a bit of a different kind of experience, but I made some of my best of friends there. I think because we grew up at such an adolescent age, you know, 12, 13, 14, you're discovering the world together. Yeah. Yeah, so three of my bridesmaids were my best friends from high school, so it's really special. We still catch up all the time. That's fantastic. And you moved to Australia, but then you've come back to Taranaki. Mm. That's really interesting. Why why did you come back here? We went over there originally because mum and dad bought a dairy farm. So, in Australia? Yeah, it seems a bit oh. strange. At the time, it seemed very appealing because you could do irrigation and things like that. And we had kind of similar weather to New Zealand during the wintertime, but just very extreme droughts during summer. Yeah, so I finished school over there. I did a couple of years of work. Mum and dad moved back a year prior to me. Oh, okay. And I stayed over there with an ex-partner. And then after that, I was like, I just want to go back home. I miss having 
the community and people knowing who I am back yeah. home and just, yeah, I just felt a little bit lost while I was over there. Like I had such an incredible time, but I think when you come from a place like Taranaki, it's two degrees of separation and yeah. it's actually quite a really comforting feeling in a weird way. Yeah. Mm. And it's lovely to come back to, yeah, it feels like home, doesn't it? Well, it is home. Yeah. And you sort of been to school with them or you know their uncle or you played, you know, netball yeah. with them over there and it creates a sense of community. Yeah. I come from a family as well. If I don't know someone, I'm generally probably just related to them. Like right. that's how it works <laughs> for me around here. So, yeah. So when you came back from Australia, you, you got into the makeup business mm. and you first started, I think, working for Clinique. Is that right? Yeah, so originally I actually first started working at the Awakura Foursquare. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I needed a job instead. Like I was like, I need some money. Oh, just, I just left Australia in a bit of a hurry, packed up everything in about five days and left, and I needed a job and my neighbours owned the Foursquare. So I worked there for about three months, and at the time I was still finding it really hard to find a job yeah. in general in New Plymouth. I felt like there was a lot of limited jobs. Found one at Rebel Sports and just started working there. okay. And that's actually where my career kind of started, I guess, with Clinique because I one day was giving some customer service to a father and son and they were after cricket shoes. Right. About two weeks later, I was getting this phone call from Lenise Young, who owned the pharmacy in Centre City at the time, saying, I want you to work on my clinic counter. I'm like, what the hell is this woman talking about? Really? (laughs) Like, I thought to work on something like that, I needed to have, you know. Was that because the father and son had told her about you or Mm, something? Okay. You were discovered. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They must have really liked my um, customer service. And I think she really was looking for that. And she had no clue that I had any interest in the beauty section or anything like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she just purely employed me on my manner, I guess. That's awesome. Mm. So it's lovely to kind of go from, you know, different retail jobs to a different retail job. But we described you as an entrepreneur. So obviously you didn't stay working at the counter at Clinique. No. What happened then? Well, I had done roughly four years on the counter. And I kind of got to the point where... I had reached my limit of what I could do with that. Yeah. I felt like I had so much more in me to do. Yeah. And I just felt if I stayed there any longer, I was going to be compromising moving forward with what I had created outside of the counter. Yeah. So I guess like when I first got onto the counter, I just thought I was going to be selling makeup and skincare. But when I really started to play with it, I really just found my place, like yeah. instantly. It wasn't just going to work every day. It was going to something I was really finding a passion for. Yeah, it kind of all just developed from there. I think when I was coming out of high school, I was just a bit lost with trying to figure myself out. I really didn't have much direction, and I did listen to a lot of people when it came to what I should do. Yeah, That was probably one of my biggest downfalls, but I think I was very impressionable when I was younger yeah. that I listened to too many people you didn't me. follow your own path that, yeah. you, that you knew was to be right. Yeah. I listened to what other people told me yeah. was right for me. And I look back now and I just wish I said to myself, just listen to how you feel about yeah. things. Yeah, I wanted to do really well. I was really excited when I was working on the counter because I was like getting people kind of validating me for being good at something. Like I never had a particular skill that I was like, yeah, I'm really good at that. Yeah. And then when you get people coming in being like, you did such a good job at this, or I really appreciate your advice. That's great. That is such an incredible Very feeling. Empowering. Yeah. yeah, when you've never had it, and, you know, I was at 22 at the time, and 
all of a sudden I'm getting validation for a skill that I possess that yeah. I didn't even know I had. Yeah. It was pretty darn exciting. So um, that's when I took it online. So I have always had this massive obsession with social media. I was yeah. always on Bebo, MySpace. I would Good stay God. Until, yeah. You're not that old. No, it's it's primal, primal <laughs> okay. times. That's right, right back in the, yes, um, the early, the prehistoric era yeah. of social. So I was like coding my like MySpace background and making sure I've got all the codes right. Like, uh, I was real into did it. Did you do the blinky one? Yeah, and I had like the music going. Oh, see, we all went through that stage and then we realised that it was pretty naff. <laughs> How bad was like the top eight friends, eh? Like there would always be something going down at school because someone rearranged their top 10 or top eight friends oh. but yeah anyways it all kind of stemmed from that original love yeah. I always was into that social media side of things and because I wanted to grow the counter I thought I'd start a Facebook page yeah. and I'll get people into the counter because I'll do before and after photos and talk about my favorite clinic products and yeah and then it just snowballed it just I think because it was so early in its Prime, yeah. especially for even Taranaki, I think it was slowly happening around the world, but no one had really ever started like a really big Facebook page or Instagram page and things like that. And it just took off after a while. Fantastic. And so you ended up then becoming an influencer. Let's, mm. let's put it in a bit yes. Can you explain what an influencer is for some of the listeners who might not know? Well, I guess it's someone who has some kind of platform, whether it's, you know, 100 people, it could be 100,000 people, and you carry some kind of influential impression on people. For me, I guess, like, mine was always starting out, always talking about beauty and giving makeup tips and talking about products that would work for certain skin types or people with XYZ concerns with their skin. It's a very interesting industry that I've naturally fallen into. Yeah. I always like to call myself more of a content creator than an influencer. Yeah, we go. Okay, sorry, big pardon. No, yeah, don't do it. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. You're but, both. Um, <laughs> and you and that you're more at the hundred thousand than you are at the hundred end in terms of people that follow you. I'd imagine it's over there, does it? Like, I think it's like a hundred and eighty thousand oh, or love. Yeah, like <laughs> slightly you know, the population of Christchurch or something like that. Some small thing. It's so crazy. It's so weird to think oh. that many people like And they really it. genuinely I mean I've watched some of your videos. They are they are remarkably good. You explain extremely well and it looks, you know, incredible. I clearly am not probably your target market. I don't know. Well it's whatever you're whatever, whatever you're into, into. <laughs> that's good. Okay, maybe I should give it a crack. But what does makeup do for a woman? You know, what is the importance yeah. of it? I genuinely feel like it, it's never like a vanity thing for a lot of women. I think it's a self-confidence thing. Yeah. And I see all walks of life from preteens all the way through to the later years. Everyone's got something that they naturally want to improve on or focus on. The biggest thing I see is women just wanting to feel confident in who they are. Yeah. And I feel like makeup does put a bit of a spring in your step. I personally know I don't ever wear makeup for others. I wear it for myself. I feel completed and I just feel like, I just feel a little bit more alive. And that does put that extra confidence in me. And I think 95% of women at some point will pick up a piece of makeup. It's really important that they feel confident with what they're doing because it's not necessarily something that's always taught in school. We learn these things and Thank God we have YouTube now because it's so accessible. But even when I was growing up, there was no one around to teach me how to do makeup or learn about it. 
And it is something that becomes very dominant in a lot of women's and men's life. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really cool when I get clients in and they come in and they're like, can you teach me how to do something? And you can just see the confidence in them once they understand and how it's applied on them, how they can wear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. As you say, I think it's a lot about that sense of self-worth and belief and confidence. And I think it was Estee Lauder had the quote, something like, in the factory we make makeup, but on the shop floor we sell dreams. Yeah. Something like that. It's like this whole idea that it's beyond the thing itself. It's mm. become – but you've managed to turn this being a content creator slash influencer <laughs> into actually a business, really. Yeah. I mean, you you are – something that might not be a traditional business by some of the people that are listening might not realise, but you've turned it into a very successful opportunity for you to tell stories to the world and show people what to do. Can you mm. tell us a little bit about the types of things you do on an average day yeah. in your work life? <laughs> Uh, Well, every day genuinely is a different day. Throughout the week, I'll have tutorials that are booked in with clients. So they'll be scattered throughout the week where a client will come in and we'll do like an everyday makeup tutorial. We'll sit down, talk about makeup that works for them. So that's kind of like the freelancing side of what I do. Then my other side of the business is content creating for brands, which I just genuinely absolutely love because I get to be creating the most beautiful artistic creations while also getting paid for it, because a lot of the time I do so much content for free. You know, whatever I put out is always in my time until I do, you know, the sponsorships with brands and things like that. So, yeah, so then, like, maybe Monday, Tuesday, I'll be working on, like, a brand campaign for, like, YSL or Maybelline, and yeah. then I'll be, like, filming all day, and then I'll um, the next day I'll edit, and then I have to get it off to my management for approvals and things like that. And then maybe, like, Tuesday night I'll be working on Mood Magazine with yeah. Laura and Gria for, like, three hours, and then early start in the morning because then I've got to go to a wedding, and that'll be for, like, six or seven hours, and then I get back and there's, like, more content creating I have to do. That's a busy week. Yeah, it's honestly, it's always something yeah. going on. Mm. And you, you just, we just brushed past, but I'm going to go back into those brands because you work with some really big brands. YSL, Yves Saint Laurent, presumably. Mm. Uh, Joe Malone, Bobby Brown, Sephora, Disney. I don't know what you do with Disney. Is that, Do they have makeup brands? So I, I created some really cool um, makeup looks for some of their big movie premieres. Really? Yeah, it was so cool. I think that's actually been one of my proudest brands because I think it's a little bit right field from yep. or left field from yep. typical traditional beauty brands. Yep. So to work with Disney and I recently worked with Warner Brothers as well, so that was really cool. Same sort of thing. Was that helping create a look for a, an opening? Yeah, it was for a Harry Potter launch. So. Lordy. Mm. And do, how do they find you? I mean, you're here in Taranaki. These brands are all based in London and New York and LA. and Yeah, so a lot of them have their own New Zealand headquarters. And I think it's just because I've been around for quite some time now, a lot of the agencies are aware that I have a management who do all the background stuff for me. Uh, When I first ever got contacted by a brand, I had no idea. You know, they wanted like four videos out of me. They wanted heaps of posts and they're like, what are your rates? And I'm like, whoa. I don't know. What what is that? I don't, yeah, really. And it's so incredibly hard to put a value on yourself and your time. So that's when I, and at this, when I was working on the clinic counter, I was doing all this full-time work of YouTube in my spare time. Yeah. So I was like, I need someone to delegate this for me. Mm. And um, yeah, I got It's money. also yucky talking about money. It's I mean, it's awful. not easy as a business person. Especially when it's about yourself. It's you. Like, you are the brand. You yeah. are the thing they're buying. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm worth. It's really awkward. Yeah. And so they took that out for me, which is great. Oh, that's good. Johnson and Leader, my management, and they're incredible. And I think a lot of companies nowadays know that 
I'm managed by them. Yeah. So they just go directly to them and get in touch with them. And then my management will email me and be like, hey, like Disney wants to work with you. This is kind of the idea and the campaign. You know, what are your thoughts sort yeah. of thing? If it's more of a product review or like product campaign, there's a lot more of a wider process in regards to time because for me, it's really important that I get a product sent to me. I really want to work with it for a couple of weeks before I even agree to something. Right. It's not just like, hey, do you want to do it? And I just take it. It's really important. It's got to be right because you've got some values. You know, it's got to be authentic for you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, taking that time and making sure that what I'm endorsing actually really speaks truly to me. Right. It's very important. Do you have an enormous room at your house that's just full of makeup? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb question. I literally have a room called the makeup room. Wow. And you walk in there and it's like, oh. Yeah, it's like my studio. Yeah. It's also my filming room and it's my happy place. So. Oh, I can imagine. That sounds cool. <laughs> and so, I mean, you've talked about different bits of the business. They all seem to complement each other. You've got the kind of the, do you have one-on-one tutorials to people? You you help with events. Mm. You've, you do rep, brand representation. You make video content. There's a lot of stuff. Do they all kind of work together relatively well? Yeah, yeah. I'm so fortunate that... The freelancing side and the makeup crosses over with the content creating. It's a beautiful blend. Yeah. It works together very, very well. Beautiful blend. Mm, I see what you did there. Yeah. I know, but a little bit. That's all I know. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because you do, in your line of work, you choose to live your life publicly in some respects. I mean, you, as you say, you, you let people into your house and your home with the videos. And Does that work for you? Does it work for you? I think you're married. Does it work for your husband to be part of that? Or you know, how, mm. does it, how does it work from a life point of view? How do you draw a line? So it does for me. I've always kind of identified as quite an open book. Like when I meet you, I do give you pretty much all of me, like all of my energy. I don't put a lot of a filter on, to be honest. When it comes to the people around me, I do try and be very mindful because they do not sign up for this life. Trent's always more than happy to participate, but I don't put that on him. Right. So I really do keep it quite focused just on me and the things that I'm up to, and he'll feature every now and again happily. Yeah. And it's the same with my friends and family. I always double-check, you happy if I was to post this? I have been a lot more conscious maybe in the last two years of what I put up. Now that I'm just getting a little bit older, and I also am mindful that it's not just this side of things that I'm representing. I also have Mood Magazine. So Mm. I have so many clients who deal with mood and I like to be a little bit more just conscious of who I'm representing and who I am and who they're dealing with. Yeah. So I definitely found myself in this weird transition when we first brought out mood is being very mindful of what I'm doing with everyone publicly seeing. I just tweaked it a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be the Britney Spears of Taranaki then? No. No, no. No, good, no. <laughs> no head shaving or anything like no, that. No, that, quite no, that, no, going crazy. But it's an interesting. And do you, do you see, I mean, again, your, your business model relies in some part on social media. And social media has its downside and its ugly side as well. How do you handle those sorts of, you know, the trolls and all those sorts of people? Yeah. To be fair, I've been really, really fortunate. I yeah. Honestly, I very rarely will ever get any kind of like oh, trolling or negativity. When I had a few of my YouTube videos go quite viral, that's when I got some pretty nasty messages. Yeah. But at the same time, I just kind of was like, oh, like what? Like it's not even relevant to. Yeah. It was just silly things like talking about my teeth or like yeah, how yeah. I had a lisp. And I'm like, well, that's just who I am. Yeah, yeah. You Deal know? with it, yeah. <laughs> it's so lame that they're trying oh. for that. But. Yeah, like I remember when I first got like a real nasty comment, it it sat with me for days, yeah. for days. And then after that, you kind of just 
unless it's really, really personal, I really don't yeah. engage with it. Yeah. It's not going to improve my day, yeah. you know. So, no, nah, but I really am very fortunate that I haven't. You haven't had too much of it. Nah. But, I mean, it is an issue for young people, but particularly young women, actually, that, you know, the pressure to look great and, you know, feel great on social media and to have a great Instagram and all mm. that sort of stuff. How would you describe or how, what advice would you give to young people who are today thinking about social media and the impact it's having on their lives. Have you got any kind of insights on that? Well, I think if you're someone who's online and you are trying to grow a following, I think just being as genuine as possible. If you look at the most successful people, it's the people who are really true to themselves. I think it's just really important to be who you are. And it sounds really cliche, yeah. but it's you've got to be genuine about your life and who you are. And I think when you're trying to be something more... It comes across quite fake yeah, as well. People can pick it up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, I think it's also like not taking life too seriously. I always have this conversation with my clients. I, of course, work in social media, but I was a generation who was introduced to it. Right. I wasn't a generation who was born into it. Yeah. And they don't know any other way, you know. And social media every single day is just vastly developing yeah. so much quicker than it was five years ago. And so I take my hat off to teenagers who are going through everything at the moment with social media and the way it plays out. Yeah. yeah. It's quite unique because there's no written handbook on what we do. It's all new. And it's vastly changing. So when I started, I started a platform out of pure passion and there was no monetary incentive. YouTube was only just starting out. Instagram was in its primary days you just post anything and talk about anything and it was so it was so new to people to see people so vulnerable yeah. um, and raw the whole criteria of this industry is becoming a little bit more structured but yeah. because everyone works for themselves and their own brand is so different you get such a variety of things that are going on yeah. I think that's why people are always so fascinated and always have an opinion as well because it is such an open business as such, for people to have an opinion on because you're just looking at people's lives. Yeah, and you have to keep an eye on what other people are doing and sort of learn from that and take the best practice and kind of add your own elements and you're constantly evolving. Yeah, your brand is you. Yeah. So it's a play on being professional but also being yourself. Again, a very different kind of industry that we've never seen before. So every day is a new day. And there's always some kind of new trend or new kind of like criteria that's coming out from maybe like, you know, the advertising standards and or just a bloody update from Instagram. And now you've got the shopping tab where the notifications are meant to be. (laughs) Everyone's losing their shit. Like (laughs) not huge fans of that. But um, yeah, you always just got to be on your toes with what you do. But this is what you've just described. It is, you know, and this one I sort of make really clear. It's a business. Like you're, you're learning, you're evolving, you're pivoting, you're changing. You know, you're looking at the competitors and you're having to change new products and services to meet. So it's just a new type of business, but it is like yeah. running a, a business. And that's the thing, like not to say that, like, yes, it's a business, but it's a business I'm so incredibly yeah. passionate about. Like, it's entwined with you. Yes. And I, I've never been in a job where I've just felt so energized when I'm onto something. When I find my flow, I get so excited and this real immense energy within me. And it's cool that I can call that passion and that creative side of me also my business. And that's why I think I work quite a lot in my own right, work these like big hours and is because Yes, it's work and it's hard work, but I freaking love it. Yeah. It's so exhilarating to be 
putting that creative output out and other people to enjoy it. Yeah. This is really beautiful, like, feeling about it all. That's fantastic. Mm. Do you try and limit your use of social media, your consumption? I've got better at managing it, yeah. I think, because, um, yeah, I used to spend way too much time in it, way too much time. I think because I am trying to be better with my time management, I've got a bit better with it. Yeah. So I'm pretty to the T with times and stuff, getting things developed. Yeah, because yeah. it's a business for you now, isn't it? And that's, a thing. again, come back to the fact that you're an entrepreneur here. You've, you've got multiple businesses. How do, you, how do you balance all of those things? You have to be quite organised. It's mm. definitely a process. Also... I just don't have typical working hours. So a lot of the time when I've got to post something, I like to do it in the best hours, which yeah. I know are like, you know, between eight and nine o'clock at night time when everyone's on their phone. So I'm working more on those engagement times just so that whatever I've created, it gets the best reach with yeah. people and people see it. And yeah, there's no typical working hour for me either. Yeah. Through your, your job, you've, you've won a few awards and you've probably met some really cool people. What, what are some highlights for you? I think one of the biggest highlights was meeting Jane Lauder. So oh. she's Estee Lauder's granddaughter. Wow. And she's the CEO of Estee Lauder Companies Global. That was pretty special. That was at a rooftop bar called Coca Cabana in New York. and um, Sounding pretty cool already. <laughs> It sounds real bougie, eh? Like yeah. It was just, it was the most incredible experience. I won the Star to New York Award through Clinique. Okay. So I won the like kind of like top consultant award for New Zealand and that was, you know, one of the things that you got to do. It was like meeting royalty. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah and so they flew you up to New York and yeah. went to rooftop bars and yeah. how cool was that? It was so... And were you pinching yourself going, this can't be a... Look, I do this for a job. I honestly, sometimes I'm just like, what is this? Like, yeah. it's so insane. And, um, you know, we got to have like dinner at Central Park Boathouse. And uh, it's just honestly the most incredible thing. That was actually something I knew I really wanted to do. And I, I did work really hard and kind of had my eye on doing something. Right. Like that. You sort of thought that oh, if I do well, I can get there, do yeah. that. That's good on you. So what challenges have you faced along the way? What's been difficult? I think one of the biggest challenges I had was when I had to take the step from becoming self-employed, right? you know, leaving the counter. The safety was, of a paycheck. Absolutely. Yeah. I was terrified of leaving my job and then having to ask for it back like two months later because I couldn't make a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> that scared me. And I may have been like 26, 27, and I was going out on a whim, going out and hope I will do okay. And that was probably the scariest thing. I could have had every duck in a row yeah. but still not have felt yeah. confident enough. But I was really fortunate to have incredible support around me. My husband was amazing. What I found was he just wanted me to be happy. Yeah. And he was like, I'm behind you on this. And he has been a really big driving factor for me when it comes to just keeping me accountable, keeping me on my toes. Yeah. Family and friends can always like, they'll be honest, but maybe not blunt honest. And yeah. sometimes you need that, especially when you work for yourself, because you can just be going on your little path all the time. Unless someone is there keeping you accountable, you can kind of just get on your way without realizing what you're doing. Yeah. And he's really good at that. Like he'll um, keep me on my toes, that's for sure. Good on him. Yeah. And husband's great. He does good. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about, because again, people um, who are listening might not know the kind of business model around some of the work, the work you do. 
so the number of followers you get equals advertising spend on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, and that translates into revenue for you. So, so is, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, not the facts and numbers, but is that the, roughly the model that you follow? Like the more people watch things, the better it will do for you? Yeah, it's all about the reach. Right. So the amount of people your content hits on their profiles. Yeah. I have no idea <laughs> how YouTube works anymore. I thought yeah. I did, and they changed their policies and their algorithms and their ad revenues all the time. Yeah. They're probably one of the worst platforms to be uh, fair, just really? because they're not overly loyal to their creators who really create their platform. Yeah. So I have no idea how that one works. I think that works like maybe every thousand views you get like a dollar maybe. Uh, okay. Yeah. And and when it comes to more like your platforms like Instagram and Facebook, it's all about the amount of people and accounts and profiles that your your content reaches and it's measured at some kind of level through that. Right. So mm. it's a, it's about, as you say, about reach and getting out there and getting known. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Is it pressure? Do you feel the pressure every day to go, oh, God, I come up with something new. You've got to think of something else to do. Yes and no. It, I feel like everything that I kind of do, I instantly get some kind of vision or idea of what I want to create. Right. Yeah, I feel like my brain is always working and there's always something in the back of my head. I feel like I've got a Pinterest in the back of my head. Of ideas <laughs> so of it's filing it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, some days you have you can have some major blanks yeah. and that can be a bit hard. But it's just kind of going through the creative process and always like trying different ideas and just looking at inspiration and yeah, and always just kind of like diverting a little bit from what you always thought you were going to do always can lead to something really great. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's creativity. It comes from kind of mixing things up and yeah. doing weird things. But then you get a product sent to you and you go, oh, this is cool. I could do something here. Yeah, you can find inspiration in the smallest things. It could be the packaging of a product or you've seen something that kind of resonates with the product and the overall concept that you want to do. Yeah. I don't know. I Half the time I do wonder where I get my ideas from, but they just <laughs> sometimes just pop up into my head. That's good. Yeah. Nice. And what is it like being in, a, uh, you know, doing your role in a place like Taranaki? Because it's a you're doing a big sort of global role, but from a small place in New mm. Zealand. I think it's so cool that I can be based here in my hometown and feel no pressure to be anywhere else in the world to do these things. Like you said, it like on a global aspect, it's all done from my home in New Plymouth. It's cool because at the beginning of my career, I always thought I had to move to Auckland, or I was even thinking like New York yeah. um, to be successful and. Yeah, just because of the way we're all so connected nowadays, it's so easy to just be working from anywhere remotely. Fantastic. And do you get people in Taranaki recognising you? Do you keep going up to you on the street? <laughs> yeah, I do get it quite often, actually. It's so nice. I actually genuinely think that's one of the best parts of my job. Yeah. It's because you have all these people following you, but and their numbers when you look on a profile, but when you actually get to meet these people face-to-face, honestly, it's like the best feeling in the world just yeah. to meet someone who engages and supports you. That is one of the best ones. That's awesome. And then they, they probably tell you stories about how you're having an impact on their lives or for them or... Yeah, yeah, like it's pretty amazing actually just like hearing some of the stories when people say like I may have talked about a certain product and how it could help certain people and then they go and buy it and they actually find it helps with breakout and then that was something that was a bit of a block for them confidence-wise and yeah, I guess like when you create stuff and you put it out there, you actually don't realise how it could actually impact someone's life. Yeah, Mm. that's wonderful. I think it's a cool thing that you do. I mean, you've made a business out of helping other people in a whole innovative and completely different model than what people would expect. Yeah. But you've also, we've mentioned Mood Magazine a couple of times, so I just want to talk about that a bit more because that's a whole other thing that you do. You set up a magazine, which is... (laughs) 
just casually. Old school. Like you go from the new social media online, da-da-da, to old school, bits of paper. Mm. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, I think with the fast, rapid moving state of social media, I think a lot of people like slow content as well. Yeah. They crave something that's going to just draw it right back in something that's off the device. Yeah. So I feel like the novelty of a beautiful hard copy, like, magazine yeah. and publication is actually what a lot of people are yearning for again. That kind of came about about two and a half, almost three years ago. Myself, Gria and Laura are all really good friends and we just kept talking about how we wanted to showcase our region and amazing talent that comes out of this region. So like I would, for myself personally, I would find I'd go away for events and yeah. I'd go to Auckland. I went to like a YSL event and I was, I had Brooke Barrett make this beautiful outfit for me, custom made. And everyone would be like, oh my God, where is that from? I want to go get it. And I'm like, oh, my amazing friend from Taranaki, she's <laughs> an incredible designer, had created this for me. Or someone would be like, oh, I saw the brush aside video that Mark LaHood made you. That was insane. The production on that. And I'm like, yeah, he's this incredible filmmaker from Taranaki. Wow. And so it's you're just, an ambassador would, for Taranaki. I would be so proud yeah. any, everywhere I would go to talk about our region and what we have here and how humble we are because I think we're very humble people. Yeah. We just wanted to talk about the untold stories that are going on around here and how people are making such a big impact here or around the world. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so the magazine, how often does it come out? So it's out six monthly. It does take us roughly, like the whole production side of it's more like three months all up, three to four months. And we do it all in our spare time. So (sighs) after work, weekends. So yeah, it's a real passion project, that's for sure. Yeah, it takes some dedication to do something like that. But you also give back in other ways too. I saw an article about you working, raising some money for Women's Refuge, Mm. which was based on a personal story, a tragic personal story. You turned a difficult circumstance into something where you could make a difference. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I moved back from Australia, one of my best friends, her and I were planning on moving down to Melbourne and I ended up leaving, coming back home and she went to Melbourne. It was about a year later that she was killed by her partner in a domestic dispute and it was just the most... Horrific. Mm. It was honestly heartbreaking. The whole situation was just awful. I think when you're at like 21, 22, you can't really wrap your head around something like that happening. Yeah. That's always really stuck with me because she was just the most beautiful person. And when COVID happened, I was quite concerned that domestic violence would go up. I was just really worried with all the stress, with financial issues. And I was really grateful at that time. I felt like when COVID happened, it really brought down all the walls and brought it back to the simplicity of just being grateful that I have what I have and just being safe and having a roof over my head. And I was just really concerned that it wasn't going to be the case for other people. I kind of just came up with a concept because I decided I was just going to clean out my wardrobe and I had all these clothes and usually I'd just, you know, take them to the hospice. And I was thinking, well, I'm okay at home with COVID during lockdown. What I want to do is like sell these clothes off and any money made will you know, give it to the Taranaki Women's Refuge and just help them fund whatever needs doing in that time. Especially I was actually also quite concerned about them, like how they're going to go with like government and things. And so, yeah. Oh, good on you. Mm. You managed to raise some money for them, which is awesome. 
Yeah, there were so many people who got behind yeah. it too. I think it was such a really nice wholehearted kind of situation. Yeah. I liked that the clothes were getting upcycled. People loved that we were raising money. Like it was a huge community thing. It yeah. wasn't just me. Yeah. We had all these people who were like donating clothes and people who were bidding. And I felt like it was like other businesses as well who yeah. then were like, let's get behind this let's as get, well, which yeah. is cool. Starting something out. That's fantastic. It just goes back to like the you know, value of a community you've mentioned it a couple of times. What's your favourite thing about living in Taranaki? Genuinely, like the people. Yeah. I love that we have like people just have time for you here. Especially when I lived in Melbourne, like people are always just on their own mission. They don't have time for anyone and you just feel like a little bit of a speck. Yeah. And here you, I feel like everyone just yeah has time for you. And I think we're so fortunate with the things that we can do around here with like the foreshore and with the mountain and... Yeah, it's just a nice lifestyle. Yeah. I really just love living here because it's fast-paced enough but enough to feel relaxed. Yeah, great coffee, really good bars. Oh, don't we have the oh, best coffee? We do. It's a, such a lovely place to be and then you can just walk down the beach. Anyway, we're going to talk about this again. What do you think the future looks like for Taranaki? Oh, I think we're, it's looking good. Yeah. I think we've got some very ambitious, fast-moving people around here wanting to make things yeah. happen. And it's cool this always something happening around the region, especially in New Plymouth, and trying to just cater to people coming outside of the region. Yeah, I, I think that we're moving into some really exciting times. Fantastic. Right, I'm going to finish off now with some quick-fire questions. Mm-hmm. Ten questions I'm asking. Everyone okay. needs ten questions. <laughs> and you can ask them as quick as you can. Um, what's the best place to get an ice cream? Oh, I would have said um, Joe's. Joe's? Oh, Lush. Lush. Okay. Yes, I do love myself a good gelato. Okay, good. Mm. Um, best surf spot? Oh, we really like, um, when I say where I see, I say my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I like going down you there. You like watching him surf? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the links out the back of Bell Log. Oh, okay. It's really beautiful out there. Didn't know about that one. Mm. Best late night location? Oh, I love sitting on the top of the Fitzroy Hill. I think it's up um, like Saks Street or something like that. Uh-huh. And you get a like 360 view of like bit the of a, mountain. Is it and... a park up place? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't know about that one. Have to come back another time. Um, best lunchtime activity? Oh, I do love going for a good walk around like Mangamahoe, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't done that for a few years. I have to try that. Best beach? Oh, White Cliffs. Really? Yeah, Gosh. Waiyeti Beach area. Well, best mountain adventure? Like, would you go north side or south side or Stratford side or? Kaponga side. Okay. Yeah, is it Wilkie's Pools and stuff like I that around so, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When we were kids, we would always go up that way. That's gorgeous up there. What's your favourite summit or peak? Phantom. Phantom. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I haven't climbed any of them, so. Right, right, but it looks nice from a distance. (laughs) Yeah. What's the best annual event? Oh, I do love myself the Festival of Lights. Yeah, Mm, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Every single year, I I love going. Undiscovered gem of this of this place. Yeah. I have to say, in this, I'm going to sound quite old saying this, but I feel like a lot of people are actually on on the same page as me. I really, really love the Garden Festival. Yeah, yeah. Mum, myself, my mother in law, and grandma always go. I do. Yeah, yeah I get do. In the car and just take around for I a day. I love a good garden, eh? Like, oh, oh that's so, so weird. cool. <laughs> there could be something in that. Because well, as kids, mum always had like beautiful big gardens, yep. and it just I think it's real nostalgic for me. I just love a good garden. That's nice. Mm. Last one, what's one word you'd use to sum up Taranaki? Gem. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's such a hidden gem, you know, it like really is. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that is so cool. Annalie, thank you so much for your time this morning. No, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening, and a special thanks to Venture Taranaki for making this all happen. I'm sure some of you listening will be guests on this show one day. So if that is you and you have a great idea, make sure you check out Venture Taranaki's Power Up website and get in touch with one of the team. No matter where you're at on your enterprise journey, Venture Taranaki is able to support you and help you power up your idea, your existing enterprise, or your startup. They offer awesome services such as one-on-one startup clinics, mentoring, workshops, business and investment advisor support. This podcast has been proudly produced in Taranaki by Raw Collective. And lastly, please review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Kakite. kite.